Hey everybody, welcome into the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. In today's episode, we'll talk about Major League Baseball finally getting underway. We'll talk about the NBA underway as well with scrimmages. And we'll talk about NFL news and we'll have our best for last. Now sit back and get ready to learn something. Alrighty guys, and we are back. And first we're gonna start off with Major League Baseball finally having opening day. I mean, we looked for this months ago, but unfortunately COVID-19 shut that down. And through a bunch of bickering and fighting and a bunch of unnecessary things that baseball went through, in my opinion, they negotiated way too long when it comes to money and things of that nature. But finally, it gets underway. We have the Yankees and the Nationals, the biggest brand in the world, arguably in terms of sport with the Yankees and the defending World Series champions on one field. It can't get much better than that outside of having a packed stadium. But just like negotiations, the season gets off to a rocky start. Dr. Anthony Fauci throws out the first pitch and it rivals one of the worst first pitches we've ever seen. Honestly, a tad bit unexpected. I pictured a George Bush after 9-11 kind of first pitch where it's right down the middle. It's a strike. It's confident. It's like, yeah, this is what we needed after 9-11. George Bush with a confident strike in New York City. Like, we're going to get through this. And Dr. Fauci throwing a very bad first pitch isn't the greatest in terms of confidence. Honestly, it probably couldn't get worse. I mean, there's the 50 cent first pitch, but that's about the only thing I can think of that comes close. But it got off to a rocket start. Then the game starts. Perfect. And then we get a massive rain delay. So it's almost as if baseball is going to be that this year. It's going to be just rough. It's going to be an unusual baseball season. It started off first pitch wise about as bad as you can start off. And then the first big game rain delays for a very long time. So in this case, baseball is going to have to just fight through it. I know they're still working on testing protocols and how to get everything perfected. And, you know, what happens if a guy gets COVID? You know, they've already expanded the day rosters from 25 to 30. So that's an improvement. And they have also decided to extend the playoffs or expand the playoffs rather for one season. So in this scenario, the playoffs, the first and the second place team in every division makes it. And then the top two records after that get the last two effectively wild card spots. So they're getting in the playoffs as well, which gives you 16 teams in the Major League Baseball playoffs, which does account for 60 games. For instance, if 60 games were the case last year, the World Series champs would not have made the playoffs. Also, you had the injuries to the Yankees. You had the injuries and the poor play of the Dodgers at times. So 60 games is going to make it a sprint. And so who's going to win is going to be very interesting. To me, there's four teams separated from the pack. Well, really three teams in the New York Yankees, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Houston Astros. And then you can't count out the defending champs ever in the Washington Nationals. The Yankees, honestly, their biggest thing is health. I mean, like I said earlier, Judge missed a ton of games. Stanton was on and off the DL. You had different guys going out of the lineup at random moments. So the Yankees never really filled it. Their full roster at any one point to make a stretch run with them of more than a couple of weeks before another key player was going down with injury. The Dodgers, maybe this could be their blessing in disguise. They locked up Mookie Betts, 
to a 12-year extension worth over $360 million. So maybe this could be their blessing in disguise in terms of a shortened season. When it comes down to the Dodgers, we know they have issues with Clayton Kershaw. We know they have issues with pitching. Maybe that could be fatigue. Kershaw routinely goes deep innings, 200-plus innings a year routinely, and maybe his armor could be wearing down, especially at the age he's currently playing at. So maybe this could be the thing that allows Kershaw to be dominant as Sandy Koufax in the playoffs. And then you've got the team everybody loves to hate right now, the Houston Astros. Now, their biggest break could be no fans. The anger and the ire from opposing fans that you know the Astros are going to get every time they went on the road. If they didn't suffer in their own stadium, was going to be amplified by players. Crowd starts booing Jose Altuve. Maybe he gets plunked. The crowd starts booing Alex Bregman. Carlos Correa, one of those guys. Maybe they get plunked. Now it's an empty stadium. It seems that guys who've wanted to hit the Astros have had opportunities to hit them. I don't think it's going to be a lot of Astros being hit. That's still a good baseball team. In a 1-1 game in the seventh inning, they're not going to plunk Jose Altuve, put him on the bases. He's still second. And now you got a runner in scoring position with one out. So I think that'll be a situation where if they get hit, it'll be in the first three innings or it'll be late in the blowout. But it'll be something where the guys will want to exact their revenge a little bit on the Astros. But at the same time, they're going to want to beat them and show them that their World Series was truly invalidated. But I think the Astros benefit from the coronavirus pandemic with a lack of fans. Every game feels the same, except instead of hitting out of an empty Minute Maid Park in Houston, you're hitting out of an empty Washington Nationals Park or Yankee Stadium or Anaheim with the Angels. You're just hitting out of an empty stadium. It's like batting practice almost. So there's no real home field advantage either way. So the Astros aren't battling the roster and the fans and the ire of both sides. Maybe there's only battling the ire from opposing team that they're playing and not necessarily having to deal with a city or anything like that. So baseball is off to a rocky start, but it's back. I mean, they call it America's pastime. I think it's football, but America does need baseball and baseball needs America because you can't go 18 months without us seeing Aaron Judge or without us seeing Mookie Betts or without us seeing Clayton Kershaw or without us seeing Max Scherzer or Bryce Harper and any of these other great talented players because let's be honest, in the era of the cell phone and the highlight, baseball isn't the sexiest thing to have on a cell phone. It's not. It's Even the highlights take forever. I mean, unless you start off with a guy pitching, if you do the whole setup, the highlight takes 45 seconds for one home run. And it goes from 1-0 to 2-0. It's not a big swing. It's not a massive catch for a touchdown. It's not a big dunk by LeBron on a breakaway. It's a home run. It's exciting. But unless it's a walk-off home run or something to put you ahead, an infield single doesn't look very sexy on a highlight reel. And so already struggling with capturing a new generation, baseball cannot afford to go away for 18 months. That's just not something they can do, especially with the last World Series champion being the Washington Nationals and not, you know, Yankees fans blowing up social media pages talking about the only reason they don't want to play us, they don't want us to win again. And you know how fans get, especially the big fan bases that are dominant. They use anything to their advantage of talking about their team. So because it was a small market national team and not a brand like the Dodgers or the Yankees, baseball would suffer. And baseball would suffer anyway being gone for 18 months. But hey, it's back. It's going to be rough. It's going to be odd. It's extremely quiet. 
because even the announcers, I mean, they aren't the most energetic people on the planet. So when you have an extremely quiet sport for the most part, besides a crack of a bat or a pop of a glove, and then the announcers aren't necessarily the most energetic people, it's quiet. It's incredibly quiet, but it's back. And so I am glad that baseball is back. I am looking forward to a great sprint of a season, it being 60 games, one third of the size of a regular season, or just about one third. And so when you have a situation like that, I am ready to roll with baseball. And up next, we will shift to the NBA, which is also back. There is live professional basketball on TV. And we'll talk about that right after this break. Alrighty guys, and we are back. And now we're gonna talk about the National Basketball Association returning. Oh, thank you, sports gods, for allowing basketball to come back. Oh, it's been great. Now, granted, the TBT held it down. Much respect to the TBT for pulling off their bubble and having basketball being played, and that was great to watch Joe Johnson and know the rest of those guys, Franklin Sessions and the rest of that crew, run up and down the court. It was great to see live ball. I watched a ton of the games. It even ended great because that Elam ending thing is amazing, and he works for them. But it's just something different about seeing Nikola Jokic, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Bowl Bowl take the court and just dominate and just and just be the best in the world at what they do, which is playing NBA level basketball. So the bubble court looks great. Now, the NBA did a very, very high tech version of what the TBT did. The TBT had the black banner down the back and it had the banners of the different champions that won on the side so when the camera would pan you would see championship banners and when it was looking at the court you would just see a black background so it really took away the element of a big empty gym now the nba decided to go hockey in a way they have very very enlarged sidelines and around those sidelines they have plexiglass screens that I'm not sure if they're projected on the screen or if there's technology in the plexiglass itself, but basically they're giant screens. So whoever the home team is, they seem to have that team's logo repeatedly on the plexiglass. So for instance, during the Lakers scrimmage versus the Mavs, it was purple back, it was a purple screen with the Lakers logo all the way wrapped around. And then I know one of the commentators said that, wait, was that cheerleaders on the screen? Like they had cheerleaders pop up. I know we've seen for one game, they had the crowd on like a little loop, like a crowd shot on all the way wrapped around. So they're trying different things to have a somewhat similar feel to a regular game. But I mean, they're doing the best that they can. I'm not complaining in the slightest. Thank you, NBA. Uh, their last recent round of tests, they tested 346 people with zero positive tests. So that means that the bubble's holding strong, or at least if people are leaking out of the bubble, they're being extra safe, they're being extra careful, or they're getting incredibly lucky, not contracting the virus and bringing it inside the bubble, which could shut this whole thing down. The Black Lives Matter on the court, you see it, but it's not something that's distracting from the game at all. Again, every time they cross down the court, you see Black Lives Matter. And so I'm glad the NBA did that. But it's not something where it's a random font. It's not something where it looks like it's just added on there with no thought. So it stands out. It's a very prominent thing. 
but it's not distracting at all. So thank you, NBA, for that. And also, they needed the scrimmages. That was a good idea. Now, it was I was shocked to say they were going to televise the scrimmages. I thought that would be something that maybe they only just let reporters see, make them kind of like big practices, even play them on the practice courts. But they play them in the real arena. They played them on television. And you can tell that even though these guys have been working out, even though these guys have been lifting, a lot of them have been shooting and playing ball over these last three months. They needed the, they needed the scrimmages. They needed the work. I mean, just routine plays would get messed up. CJ McCollum got a rim checked pretty badly. And Carmelo Anthony cleaned it up. Now you can tell some guys took advantage of the three months. You look at a guy like LeBron. I mean, he took off on a couple of those fast breaks. And I think he was moving faster than he was during the regular season because he got a summer off in essence. He got three months off. All he had to do was work out, trying to recover his body where he wasn't pacing, trying to get through the last 17 odd games of the season to get to the playoffs. He's thinking, okay, two, three scrimmages, eight games, and then I'm back in the playoffs to try and get a quest for a fourth championship. Now, I've noticed that a lot of the veteran players look great. Look at Paul George. He looked good. LeBron James looks fit, even though he's going to play the half. Anthony Davis produced well. But all in all, the games feel a little slow. They feel like practices. They feel like not street level, not even TBT level. Not better than college level, but not ramped up NBA just yet. But I think that's because of the natures of them being scrimmages and that the veterans knew that, hey, maybe I don't put my foot on the gas all the way, obviously, you know, guide myself back into it, run through some sets against people that don't know them, things of that nature, and just get ready to play when it comes to the seeding games. And then even for the Lakers, even push that process back to being ready to go for the playoffs because they've all but locked in the first seed in the conference. So the NBA is back. The plexiglass idea was a great one. I don't get the point of the socially spaced bench. I I, just, I don't understand that one. That's just a little weird. I mean, if everybody's testing negative, why not have the traditional bench? Because it makes it even look bigger and more spaced out and more high school Jimmy by having the plexiglass and then the players behind the plexiglass like hockey and then they're all spaced out so there's no real bench mob presence it's just a lot happening it's just a i think that's not great although the expanded sidelines i think it's a good idea for the regular season if they can implement that into stadiums because i've seen several guys dive on the floor and end up on the floor instead of three rows into the bleachers or dunk and be able to run a little bit instead of having to worry about tripping over cameramen and things of that nature, it gave them a little bit more space. So I was a fan of that. Now, big performances. Obviously the arrival of Bowl Bowl. He played over 30 minutes in the Denver Nuggets giant lineup. I think the shortest person they started was six foot nine. And he got 16 points, 10 rebounds and six blocks. He showed a lot of that versatility that he showed at the high school level and briefly why he was at Oregon before an injury forced him to sit, that he blocked the shot got the rebound, came down the other day and hit a pull-up three. I mean, that's not something you see often. He's part of the unicorn era. I mean, you look at guys, tall guys with guard skills. You look at Michael Porter Jr. You look at Kevin Durant. You look at Bowl Bowl. You look at guys like that who, Chris Asperzingis, the original unicorn, is these seven-foot guys or guys near that with guard skills that can shoot from 30, that can dribble and handle, 
and arguably end up being your best defender on a team as well if a situation calls for that. And so he had a great debut. Like I said, LeBron looked great. Paul George and Kawhi looked great. And soon we'll have the seeding games. But I think the intensity will ramp up a little bit because the games will matter towards playoff positioning. So the Pelicans look great. Minus Zion. I mean, Jaleel Okafor looked like he's lost a few pounds. Looking like high school Jaleel Okafor. So hopefully he can continue to keep that up, especially when Zion eventually returns to the team. But I'm loving it. Like I said, basketball is back. Professional level basketball is back. I am so excited. And the WNBA comes back this weekend. They're going to be all over national TV with two triple header days, if memory serves me correctly. So they're going to be back. All of the IMG Academy and their wobble is going to be everywhere. Professional basketball is back. NBA and WNBA. I am incredibly excited. I don't think I can be even more excited, in all honesty. I'm pretty, pretty ready to go. And up next, we'll shift to the NFL and talk about what they've got going on in their league. Alrighty, guys, and we're back. And now we're going to shift to the NFL and what they've got going on. A lot of things happening in the NFL over the past week. We have safety measures. We have name changes. We have no names at all. We've got COVID measures. We've got all kinds of things happening. So we're going to start off with the NFLPA and the NFL itself working on safety measures. So the NFL has partnered with a helmet company to create a mask of sorts to try and prevent the spread of coronavirus through the team and through the league. I don't get the point. I, I don't I, I honestly just don't get it maybe maybe I'm missing something I just don't get it so we're gonna tackle each other for three and a half hours we're gonna get in a huddle about six centimeters apart we're gonna play tackle football for three and a half hours but this face mask is gonna prevent the spread of COVID. Like we're gonna sweat and fall on each other and inevitably spit's gonna fly out of somebody's mouth, sweat's gonna pass, blood's gonna go flying, something's gonna happen where there's gonna be the swapping of bodily fluids in a way and a clear plastic face mask over our mouth and nose area is gonna prevent the spread of COVID outbreak. That that doesn't make sense. It's it's impossible. It's it, that's pointless. Now, they did say that they were not going to require players to wear, although it's going to be strongly encouraged. But like I said, by no means a requirement. Now, obviously, the NFL team in Washington had a name issue with their former name and logo. And so this year they will be now called the Washington football team. That's it. Just the Washington football team. It's official. They've got logos. They've got marketing brands everything it's just the washington football team i don't understand i mean maybe you could have called yourself like i don't know fc washington or something maybe at the nod of the football era that most of the people know football around the world as soccer maybe you do something like that the washington football team just feels pretty yeah i mean clearly he's done a washington football club something i mean washington football team feels kind of basic but they, but they are going to go through 
uh, fans and media, things of that nature, polling people, asking people, taking inquiries about names, etc. Now, there's a popular Reddit going around. I don't really believe Reddit too much, but they have a popular Reddit going around where the team purchased the name DC Sentinels. That's something. It's not horrible. It's not terrible. It's something. And so, not the best name on the planet, but hey, it'll work. So they may or may not be doing that. That would conflict reports from the team, which they said they're going to look a lot and poll people and things of that nature for a team name. But DC Sentinels wouldn't be horrible. Now, they did have to do a little alteration to the uniform, obviously, to get rid of the word Redskin and to get rid of the former logo. They replaced the logo with the number of the jersey in gold. And they replaced the former name with Washington. So not a lot changes. However, when it comes to apparel, I did see Ron Rivera wearing a shirt that I suppose used to say the former name on the back. And now it just says team. So I'd be very interested to see in terms of logo. Does it just say Washington football team? Does that become high price memorabilia one day? Because it'd be the only year of existence in that manner. Maybe things change, everything's go back. Obviously they can't go back to the former name, but you know, eventually they'll have a team name and a logo and things will go back to normal for the NFL team in Washington. Now, something that I believe positively came out of COVID. No preseason at all. It doesn't exist. Now I think that some form of preseason will exist, but it won't be the games, for instance. So you won't have three joint practices versus the team and then you go play them on Sunday or play them on Saturday. I think maybe the four weeks during preseason, if they continue to have a quote-unquote preseason as it's currently situated, will be based around joint practices. So you'll work Monday through Friday, you're off the weekend. So you come in Monday, you work with your team, or you come in Tuesday, work with the team, and then you'll fly to the opposing team. So if you're the quote unquote road team this week during preseason, you don't actually play the game. You just have joint practices and you have three joint practice days and then you'll fly home Friday night. You're off the weekend. You come back in Monday and do the same thing. So I think that'll be something that could replace the traditional preseason games. They're not good for fans. It's bad football, especially now with after the Rams model, no stars are playing. I mean, sure, the ticket price are a little lower and some people only opportunity to see their star, even if it's for one series or two series, they got to say, hey, I saw Tom Brady play because he played in the first quarter of the Saints preseason game. Or I got to see Drew Brees play because he played the first couple drives when he played the Rams in the preseason or something like that. That could be their only opportunity. But all in all, for the casual fan watching on TV, it's not a great watch. I'm looking at guys who won't make the roster, who won't probably make the practice squad, and they're going to be working regular jobs in a few weeks. Not the greatest of the athletes in the NFL. And some of those guys can play just have bad luck. But all in all, it's just not great for fans. It doesn't really benefit rookies much because all you're doing is getting a random snap versus a random defense. Everyone's playing cover one, cover two. That's pretty much it. The reads for older quarterbacks are pretty easy because everybody's playing the same two coverages and it comes down to athlete on athlete most of the time. So that is a positive to me for COVID because there's no real benefit to preseason for the casual fan or 75, 80% of the roster. 
Now, I don't like the fact that they decided to reduce each roster by 10 people from 90 to 80 going into camp. Now, I agree that 10 less people is 10 less chances at COVID, especially in a non-bubble environment. However, if you take those 10 people times 32 teams, that's 320 opportunities that no longer exist for the undrafted free agent rookie or just for the unsigned free agent in general. That could be a camp body that maybe impress a coach and maybe they don't get a roster spot with that team, but they may get a practice squad spot with that team or somewhere else. And so that's 320 opportunities that no longer exist this season. But they guess they had to make substitutions. Not having those preseason games, you don't need technically all those bodies for camp practices. So they had to make adjustments there, especially to mitigate some of the costs that they will lose. Now, speaking of that money loss, the NFL wants to do it all in one season. Boom. $40 million decrease in the cap or $30 million decrease in the cap, whatever the financial number would be. One season, boom, it's done. The NFL PA would prefer to elongate the costs, stretch them out over several seasons, four, five, six, maybe even seven seasons of costs. So for instance, if the salary cap is, let's throw out a random number, $225 million. And it's supposed to be $250 million next year based on normal projections. Well, the NFLPA would, instead of making next year's cap 175 or 185, making next year's cap 240. And then the year after that, if the salary cap is supposed to rise to $275 million, it makes the salary cap $265 million. And so that elongates some of the costs for the owners and still allow the players to push the market further and to further advance their contracts and to even get their contracts because salary in the NFL is not guaranteed. Now, there is a lot of other stuff going on in the league. We've got contract issues. We've got disrespect. Zeke feels like he's disrespected based on rankings. Jamal Adams is still a jet. But the rookie class is coming in signing. Jared Judy signed his deal. Makai Beckton's inked his deal. A lot of different top talent have signed their deals. So Joe Burrow has not signed his deal with Cincinnati yet. Odd. I thought that'd be like the easiest negotiation. Whatever the maximum amount you can pay him, pay him that, fully guarantee it, move on with your life. Uh, same thing with Tua Tagovailoa with the Dolphins. I was interested to see his contract, but so far that hasn't happened either. And so we'll be looking forward to that in terms of NFL news. They should be standard four-year contracts plus the fifth-year team option. I expect both of them to be fully guaranteed. It would be odd if they weren't. But we'll be looking forward to that. And up next, we will shift to our best for last, the NBA Awards. Alrighty, guys, and we're back. And now we're going to talk about the NBA Awards because the NBA announced that the seeding games will not count or should not be judged towards the awards. And so I was going to do my own awards since they already been decided. I don't have to watch any of the play-in games to see what might sway my opinion or the voters' opinions for that matter. And so we're going to start off with the individual awards. For MVP, I have LeBron of the Lakers. Now, Giannis fights for it. Giannis was the horse in front of the race the whole time. And so that last stretch, man, LeBron started to turn it up. He beat the Clippers and the Bucks in the same weekend. His numbers are great. 
He's had a terrible organization right now. The Lakers are not well run, despite what anybody may believe. You have a situation where they thought Jason Kidd was going to undermine Frank Vogel. He's learning a new position, playing full-time point guard, and not just saying he's going to play point forward, but actually point guard. He's leading the league in assists in his 17th season, and he has a ton of other issues going on with the Lakers that he's overcoming. A new second star in Anthony Davis, basically a new roster because all the kids that he got used to his first year got all shipped out for Anthony Davis. And so I have LeBron winning his fifth MVP and Giannis coming in second. Now for defensive player of the year, I do have Giannis winning this one. Now, I don't think that Giannis wins MVP or defensive player of the year together. So if they give Giannis the MVP, then I think Anthony Davis, who I have finished in second in defensive player of the year, wins defensive player of the year if Giannis gets MVP. But if LeBron gets the MVP, which I think he should and will, then Giannis will get defensive player of the year. The Bucks are a great defensive team. They're markedly better with him on the court. I mean, they have all the makings of a great defensive unit, all-time level, and Giannis is leading that charge. Now, for sixth man of the year, nobody really stood out that much. So I have either Lou Will or Montrez Harrell of the Clippers, which may disqualify them because they're both on the same roster. So it's kind of hard to give one singular six man to two different people, but they may end up disqualifying themselves, but nobody really stood out. So I went with Lou Will or Montrez Harrell. I'm cool either way. For most improved player, I went with Brandon Ingram because he went from a guy that we saw could have potential, could be a guy that could score a lot of points and be a great player. And he improved up to all-star level. Now, second place for that was Luka Doncic of the Mavericks because his rookie year, he averaged 21 points a game. And now he's basically averaging a 30-point triple-double. I mean, it doesn't get much more of a big jump than that. Almost nine points a game and getting to a near triple-double level and leading your team into the playoffs in the West. So Luka has a case there, but I went with Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans. Rookie of the year was easy. It's John Morant. And it shouldn't even be a discussion. I mean, Zion didn't play enough games. And although he played well in the games he played, averaging 24 and 7, he just didn't play enough basketball games to even be thought about for consideration for Rookie of the Year. And John Morant takes that and hides with it. So, and Coach of the Year, I went with Nick Nurse of the Raptors. So, losing Kawhi Leonard. And we should have death nailed the franchise. I mean, we saw when... Kevin Durant left OKC, they never recovered. You see, when LeBron left the Cavs twice, they immediately go to the lottery. I mean, he left Miami and they tanked to the bottom of the East, or middle of the East, really, but out of title contention. But Nick Nurse has the Raptors as the second seed in the East, and some say that depending on if they can do certain things to Giannis, like build a wall, they may be back in the NBA Finals anyway after losing a generational talent like Kawhi Leonard. But that rounds out the individual awards. And now we will shift to the NBA teams. So on the NBA first team, I have Anthony Davis at center. Now that's because I believe that the NBA lists him as a forward slash center. So he can slide in the center here in order to have the best three teams possible. So that would have him at center. The forwards would be the two MVP front runners and LeBron and Giannis. The backcourt would be Harden and Luka. Harden is averaging 35 points per game, along with putting up with the rest of his numbers. 
And like we spoke about earlier, Luca's averaging 29.99. I mean, when you have a stat line like that, especially in your second year, especially being a first-time All-Star starter, you deserve to be on the NBA first team. And James Harden is always in the MVP discussion. He might finish third this year in the MVP race himself. Now for the second team, we're going to have Jokic of the Denver Nuggets Test Center with the forwards being the former teammates with Kawhi Leonard and Pascal Siakam. And the backcourt will be Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard. Now Russell Westbrook is doing Russell Westbrook-like things. He's having a great season, putting up big numbers. They moved Clint Capella out of Houston in order to allow Russ to be at his best to attack the rim and to not have anybody in the way with Capella you know, having a traditional big down on the block waiting for him. And then Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard. Big game Dame. Big shot Dame. Dame Dollar. He's having a great year. Him and CJ McCollum are carrying the Portland Trailblazers through tons of injuries to big men and team chemistry issues at times. And so he's having a great year. Pascal Siakam is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. And because he plays in Canada, I believe, and he's a foreign-born player, he doesn't get the recognition that he should, but he is having an amazing season for the Toronto Raptors. And for the NBA third team, I have Joel Embiid at center with the forward combination of Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum. So Ben Simmons is currently listed on the Sixers roster as a power forward. So it works. It's a little bit of finagling when it comes down to the roster but I have Tatum and Simmons at the forward spot Ben Simmons may win defensive player of the year I mean his metrics and his raw numbers are ridiculous and he may get strong consideration for defensive player of the year himself and Jason Tatum is a budding star not a budding superstar not at all he's a budding star maybe another great playoff run he can enter the star conversation and then the backcourt of Chris Middleton, which is Giannis' second guy, and Chris Paul, who changed the name of an OKC team that I thought were going to tank, that they were going to dump Chris Paul by a trade deadline, if not earlier, and go into the lottery and just tank for a few years and, you know, land some great players and see if they can reboot the franchise. But Chris Paul, along with a guy who should get Coach of the Year consideration and Billy Donovan, with Shea Gooders Alexander and Steven Adams and the rest of that crew, They've got that OKC team as the fourth or fifth seed and going to make some noise in the playoffs. So Chris Paul more than deserves to be on the NBA third team. Almost a second team, but I couldn't put him over Dame. I mean, maybe you could because of winning and talent around them. Maybe you could go CP3 over Dame, and I wouldn't be upset about that at all. But that is what I have for the NBA awards. I think my list is pretty good. I'll definitely keep it around, and we'll do... If I was right, if I was wrong, or where I missed, probably in the best for last after these things come out. But all in all, that wraps up our show today. It was a great show. We have a lot of sports to talk about again for the rest of the year, at least. I mean, we'll have football, hopefully. Basketball, baseball, soccer is even playing. The WNBA, like I said, it's coming this weekend with their schedule opening up. So we'll have a lot of sports to talk about. And if you enjoy what you heard today or you want to tell your friends about us, you can subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or both. Listen to is there. We drop every Friday. And so we're a regular show. We talk about the events of the week. You can follow the Twitter at JTime Sports for breaking news updates and updates on the podcast itself. 
And like I said, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Last what's back. I am very excited about that. I hope you guys are well. And this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.